Welcome to Greener Fields with me, your host, Hannah Nash. Here, I'll be chatting with people all around the world about the realities of life in your 20s and 30s, especially regarding what life is like living in Ireland or abroad. The good, the bad, the funny and the ugly, and everything else in between to help you decide whether the grass is always greener on the other side or just greener wherever you water it. Enjoy! Darren, you are very welcome to Greener Fields. How are you getting on? Hi, uh, thank you so much, Hannah, for having me on. I'm really excited for this conversation and um, yeah, just looking forward to talking and really telling you all about Australia as well. Absolutely. I think this is going to be a particularly special conversation for anyone who is potentially thinking about going to Australia or who's already there, but also for everyone else who's just looking forward for another Greener Fields conversation, because there's always, like I say to everyone, these conversations are about travel and migration and coming home, but actually they're about the person underneath all those decisions, which is what I'm particularly fascinated by. And I think to get started, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself for those who may not know you? Okay, well, as you said, hardest question is to answer the one about yourself. Um, so yeah, I'm Darren. Um, the face name behind uh, the average Joe down under Instagram podcast and um, general um, educator um, at a school. And um, yeah, I've basically lived in Australia for the last 13 years. Um, came on a working holiday visa uh, they came back to Belfast and then went back again a year and a half later because I wasn't content and have been there since 2012 and then just recently in the last month or so came back to Belfast to uh, see family and spend some time with family until potentially a few months see what happens maybe longer who knows <laughs> wow. so you have been in Australia and home <laughs> A couple of different times over the last 13 years and I think you know already in my head I'm thinking there's so much this guy knows about both places so many connections he would have had and a couple of different lives you probably lived in both places that I think would really help any listener listening today and I guess you know obviously Australia is going to be a big part of this conversation but I always love to kind of bring it back to who you were before you stepped foot on the other side of the world for the first time and you know whether it was going to college or school playing sports or music to give us a little bit of a context into your relationship with home um before you left could you tell me a little bit about that yeah um well basically before I left I had um obviously done university um I was like 21 or so when I left the first time mm-hmm. um wasn't really say sporty kind of person wasn't really um you know very social probably but and I think fun maybe <laughs> people would have described me um I was and then obviously left for Australia um very much of a social person before and that's how I sort of remember myself anyway at school um but always kind of thought of myself as average hence the name average Joe later on mm-hmm. um and I guess a lot of the influence from what's happened in my life, I think, stemmed from that mm-hmm. averageness that I felt mm-hmm. from everywhere in my life at that point of time. Mm-hmm. And that affected me in my 20s, my late 20s, my mm-hmm. etc. And um, really changed probably the direction of my life quite quickly. That's so interesting. This idea of averageness and then always trying to strive for more is really, I'm really interested in it from 
you know a psychotherapy perspective we're always kind of I don't know driving for more and more and more and this feeling of just okay or mediocre or average or all this language there's so much associated with that language that probably isn't the most light feeling in the world and you know I think that's going to probably be really interesting concept to come back through throughout this conversation about you know you as a person living these different variations of your life and you know for for someone like you mentioned you know you you were fun you were in college you you know you went to the kind of the whole process of the traditional life you know the very lucky traditional life and you know I would have loved to hear a little love to hear a little bit about you know that time before you decided to leave was it always something was travel and adventure always something you wanted to do or maybe something you grew in through over time grew into over time yeah I think to be honest I lived a very very childhood there was nothing I ever needed or wanted um you know it was just it was travel was in my blood basically you know we were traveling a lot as a family um and I think that led me to be very naive Mm -hmm. and very uh you know just getting by um but I also had this longingness that I was I had felt like it was it's like a a secret motivation inside me that was like um you're not more than average you're more than that and you have to strive so much to get where you are and you need to push yourself and I and I never really felt that it took hold until I got to Australia, but I definitely felt that growing up. I always felt like I was meant for more than just this, this, like I was meant to push myself more mm-hmm. than just be, just live at home, you know, go yeah. to work, come back and live an ordinary life, like go to on a holiday once a year and just pay my bills. I always felt like I had to be, I always had to push myself more than that. Mm, so there was like that innate within you that you know you had grown up around travel it was probably encouraged to like sometimes some people you know they they it is something that they they kind of get the association with when they first go away to college and they have that first taste of independence and for a lot of people in their 20s now I think they move abroad because it's very difficult to move out in, in Ireland and, and it's almost seen as a almost seen as a, a better option because it's slightly cheaper you get that adventure as well but for yourself you kind of had this feeling that there was always going to be something potentially slightly different and it was not going to be maybe the traditional path that you had seen or your family had seen before you that it was something that yeah you were gonna go and search for those greener fields and and that brought you to Australia and I think that decision is a lot is a decision that you've made a couple of times it sounds like throughout your life but it's what a lot of other Irish people are are making right now or have thought about and it's do we stay or do we go? And I don't know if we can ever answer that fully for everyone. But for yourself, Darren, when it came to that first decision of finish uni, it's time to do something. So you had this feeling that something different was, you know, you had to do something different. There was more there for you. Was that an easy decision to, to pack up everything and move to the side of the world? Well, yeah, to be honest, I never really wanted to leave home until I turned maybe like 20. I never could have gone away to uni or I couldn't have done any of that. I don't think I was ready. I think, again, I said I was very naive. I was sort of like a bit sheltered mm-hmm. um, in a way from the world because we lived a different life. Like it was just very insular. Mm-hmm. Um, But when I made the decision to like leave and go, it was very, I wouldn't say traumatic, but it was definitely very full on because like it was the first like even though I'd been to Australia maybe when I was like 15 on a quick holiday um 
this was like a bit more permanent, you know, like it was at least a year potentially. Um, so it wasn't, it was easy as in like, I was like, yeah, let's do it. But it was difficult when I got there because it wasn't as rosy as like, I know I, and on my podcast and everything I, and on my blog, I make it seem quite rosy, but you know, back then there was not as many jobs. And so, you know, the experience when I got there was a bit different to the, what I had in my head before I went though. So, um, yeah, that yeah. expectation and reality piece, I think, comes up all the time for in every aspect of life. I think we we have these. And I, I do we blame home and away for Australia? Do we blame uh, movies for for our take on romance? I don't know. Mm. I don't know what it is, but it's definitely that reality aspect of life that can be quite uncomfortable for people. Um, I wouldn't say probably bad, but sometimes very uncomfortable. Um, And for you, you, you know, you had lived, like you said, a, a quite a sheltered, happy, normal life. But you had this feeling that was that took you to Australia. And I'd love to hear about, you know, those initial couple of weeks, which I'm sorry you've spoken to so many people about throughout your life, mm. because it is a huge adjustment period. But, you know, the the where, where did you go? The weather? Did you have plans? Did you go on your own? Bring me through that kind of initial first time, be, um, because I think a lot of people are either going to go through that or are going mm. through it right now. Yeah, a really good question, because it wasn't as again, um, I as I just said, it sounded really nice when I said it there, but um, it actually was the most stressful time because I was meant to be going with someone um, from here, um, a quite close friend at the time, but we kind of fell out slightly just before we left. And um, not, no, no, uh, no ill will or anything, but it was just a shock because then when I got there thinking that we would move in together, we'd be able to have a place like, you know, two bedroom place and we would at least like be on good terms like because I thought we had sort of would be okay um she ended up wanting to do something else and basically told me like three days before that she had already secured accommodation with someone else and so it kind of threw everything that I kind of because I'm going by like literally now between me not going by myself to now being by myself (laughs) um so that was like the first sort of thing that really happened and I do not fall out with people like easily like it takes a lot I'm a very patient person um but it just wasn't salvageable at the time and you know it was probably the best thing for me Mm -hmm. uh to kind of cut the cord but um definitely was very hard at the beginning um but again those things that you you bring your kind of baggage even though you're moving across and trying to work out the first couple of months you still bring that baggage with you um you know, and you have to meet people and it's scary, <laughs> you know, it's not as easy um, yeah, as no. it seems. No. And I think, you know, again, thank you for sharing that. Cause I think sometimes people who are going together, and it's actually something I haven't heard too much about yet, but it's like those kind of initial friendship breakdowns of the people that you come with from home. I think again, it's, it, it seems that maybe that's just the way the world is if we we have to be aware of these things that they they seem perfect they likely aren't nothing is but this idea that we're all going to pack up with our best friends and move across the world together and start this adventure people are still people and 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 disagreements will still occur whether it's in Dublin airport um or Sydney or Coogee or anywhere like that those are just fundamental I guess facts of of human nature and just that's part of it yeah you're totally right and people grow and change and like the few weeks leading up to it people change like and I didn't recognize the person that I was going away with um from someone who was quite a close friend for many years and um you know and it just 
it happened so quickly. Like it was just a bit of a shock, I think, at the same time, because, you know, going from like 40 odd friends, you know, at the time, I'm very, as I told you, I'm very sociable, love meet, meeting new people. Um, uh, I'll tell you more about that later on. <laughs> but um, well, you basically when you go um, overseas and you meet no one, like you don't know anybody, that's when you really have to rely on yourself. And there's no one going to get you through it apart from yourself, you know, really. Yeah, and I think it's definitely something that, you know, we we talk a bit about on this podcast. It comes up for for a lot of people who emigrated, but also people who are traveling is the kind of transient nature of things by default of the fact that you are moving, whether you're moving abroad or people who are in traveling Southeast Asia or things like that, is that, you know, you can get really, really close to someone and then they can leave. Not even you can leave, they can leave. Mm. Um, and that kind of stability that a lot of us are, are very lucky to have in other parts or at home. And again, it's not universal and it's definitely something that we're, we're very lucky to have if we have it. But that stability of even on your worst days, someone's going to put up with you. <laughs> even on your worst mm. moments, someone's going to help you. That isn't always easily accessible elsewhere. And I think it definitely maybe takes a bit more effort. It doesn't mean it's not accessible because we know, uh, I know so many people who have found those communities, found their tribe, found support systems that, you know, they're, they're, they're family on the other side of the world. Um, But it definitely isn't something that is instantaneous. And, and for yourself, Darren, you had almost the perfect plan of going with someone who was really, really close to you to the other side of the world, that kind of inbuilt family before you step foot on the, the different continent. And that didn't really happen. So for you, mm. then I guess essentially you went over on your own. Can you tell me, you know, where did you go? And those first few weeks, were you traveling? Did you hope to get work? Yeah. Was your intention to be there for really only a year? Um, Because obviously we can, we can look in hindsight now that did not last. It was much longer than just a year. Yeah. Um, as I said, you did ask me that earlier and I kind of got sidetracked there. Sorry. But yeah, um, look, I came and I went to Sydney to begin with. Um, that's where I obviously was. <clears throat> but, um, you know, it was definitely not rosy because, um, you know, Belfast is very small. Um, you know, there's 350,000 people here, uh, actually more, probably no more now. Um but, you know, we're going to a city of millions. Uh, culture shock was a really big thing. Like, um, you know, especially for the brain, it just, it really is shocking. Like, there's no other way to put it. It's just shocking because what you expect is different in reality. Um, apart from that, you know, aspect, that takes a while to get used to as it is. Um, but obviously I wanted to work straight away and that again didn't happen. So not only did I get there and sorted, um, it took me maybe a month to make some new friends, which wasn't too bad, I thought. Um, but that once I got that off the ground, that sort of led to, you know, knowing someone who had accommodation and then got accommodation uh, in the city and, you know, lived a kind of frugal lifestyle, really, until I was able to get a job probably four months later, which mm -hmm. was quite a long time, actually. Um, mm -hmm. But in the end, I only stayed actually on that working holiday visa until July. And then I left. Wow. And yeah, and so it wasn't really long at all. Um, and I there was a few reasons for that. Um, yeah. but that was mostly uh, it kind of was a bit of a whirlwind to be honest. But again, a lot of my friends were leaving just after July, so I kind of picked July as a best leave situation. I think. I think that's so interesting, Darren, because I think you you probably see it as well. I'm sure you 
spend a lot of time talking to to other Irish people out abroad and in Australia because of what you do subsequently with all the information you've gathered over the years. But I think something that you mentioned there, and it's just struck a chord with me because it's beginning to come up again and again, is that when people go to new places, the first thing isn't necessarily where, you know, the fundamentals of, you know, banks and things like that. The first thing people really want to do is meet people and, and make friends and connections and people to do these things with, which I guess is, I just think, you know, probably a big part of that conversation of how we make friends and community abroad, but also the fact that we really want to, like it's on, it's very close to that top of that priority list. I think at home in Ireland, speaking from my own perspective, it's something that I bringing into 2024, I'm putting at the top of my list is, is, is expanding my community uh, putting mm. effort into friendships and that's at home I think we see that all across the world um, and I think it's really interesting because you know when we look at the social determinants of health and I'm definitely going off on a tangent it's funny how we don't maybe necessarily put that as important as you know sleep or exercise or food but I think you know research will probably back this up as well that that community aspect is so important and it was for you as well and yeah. subsequently then you know when people started to go and your community started to leave, you know, you left as well. And it's something that a lot of people also are now saying is that you can try it and then it's okay to leave. Where was your head at then? Because I'm not sure if that was always initially the plan. Please tell me. Yeah. Yeah. You basically summarized everything. It was community was my big, and because I was like that, I was very social. And I think that again, that was my naivety and young, you know, I was 20 one at the time I was really uh focused on making connections and I thought I found myself through other people and I think that was the 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 most like hindsight is 2020 like when you look back you've got clear vision of what how you see yourself and every single like stage in my life I can see where I was wrong and where I you know what I did wrong basically or what I did and you know, that at that time I was really uh, seeking connection out from other people to make me feel a purpose. Mm -hmm. And obviously that wasn't the right way to do things, but, um, and I left before that purpose disappeared. Mm -hmm. um, so obviously my head was a bit like spun out because um, I left to go back home and that again didn't work out. I thought I would, thought it would, uh, well, it would in the end, really. Mm -hmm. um, I ended up at home and, uh, within the first, like, I think from July to the December, I've never been, um, obviously I suffered with some sort of mental health, like anxiety, maybe when I was younger, but this was the first time I probably felt very much, what I say, mild depression. Mm -hmm. Um, and that really affected me for about six, seven months, really badly. Mm -hmm. Um, I threw myself into work mm -hmm. and really was working three jobs just to even like not feel the way I was feeling. Mm -hmm. which is a common trait from from still me nowadays these days um working three jobs but um yeah I kind of then that spurred me on to think about going back to Australia again but this time to study um and then in 2011 I really worked through those three jobs all the way through to then be able to go back in 2012. Wow like I think yeah yeah, I think I think it's definitely, you know, there's a lot of shared experience in that. I think a lot of people listening, whether it's throwing themselves into work or, you know, this idea of coming home and not being OK with that. I think a lot of people are worried about that. I think it's a genuine worry that 
people and I, I'm not sure at the moment we actually haven't touched on it yet because we talk a lot about people leaving or what it's like on the other side but you know for you when you first initially came home what it was like for you to come home and again it wasn't maybe just situational it's probably nothing to do with necessarily just Belfast but it was everything yeah, it, was, it was it was it was the fact that I'm sure other people had gone it was the fact that you were now coming back home living at home you were working three jobs all these different things led to a deterioration in your 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 mental health and I think in other people will hear this and be able to grasp the different things that maybe they can relate to potentially and I think it's really interesting to hear that for you at the time how you managed that was was work but also it was this idea that what if what would happen if I went back um and that is I guess in, in a way putting a little bit of power giving a little bit of power to Australia or, or to who you could be or who you thought you could be to a location and there's nothing wrong with that at all absolutely nothing wrong with that at all and I'd love to hear about you know that time the second time around going back in 2012 this time to study because you know obviously now even within one person we have the we can draw those comparisons of the first and second time which I think a lot of people are going to be really interested to hear about yeah really to be honest when I um went home and I said like I was, I was feeling the, that way I was feeling um again that feeling of I needed to do more with my life mm -hmm. because when I came home I was back to the same job back to the you know the second job that was I was doing it was just exactly the same and nothing had changed mm -hmm. and I felt like I was losing the purpose again um <clears throat> and then okay so then <laughs> fast forward went back um went back to study so obviously I did a business degree undergrad here um in Jordanstown and then went to obviously study teaching in uh University of Wollongong shout out yeah, there that was a very good campus and actually probably was one of the reasons I met a few people that kind of still are in my life today um yeah so I ended up in studying there just one it was an hour and a half away from Sydney uh, I could still I had one or two friends still in Sydney so it kind of made me like that could be my base and I could go to uni um and yeah so the next two years basically 2012 2013 were basically uni uh, I did one year PGCE and then I had to do a second year PGCE um, because of visa reasons so to be able to stay um so yeah that was and it was a different experience because it felt more like a holiday this time um mm -hmm. even though I was studying it was weird um definitely more of a holiday still working a lot so obviously when you're studying you had to work so I was working as a lifeguard which is hilarious um very funny um yeah so I worked as a, a lifeguard for the first year and a half and then I was able to teach so I was able to do subbing after that but um, definitely a different experience because it felt more like I was actually living there rather than just passing by yeah and that I think you know I spoke to someone this this morning um and she she's been in Australia a very long time similar to you I think she's been there 13 years in total and she was talking about the kind of association of people and Irish culture and things like that and she says that she's noticed a difference in the people who are really just there for the year or two and the people who could potentially see themselves there forever um, and how they potentially ingrain themselves within Australian society and not just Irish within Australia. Yeah. Um, and she said that those, you know, who do see potential for particularly when it comes to careers um, and, and see their their 
growth in a, in a career in Australia that they couldn't get here. And that's a huge driving factor, like job satisfaction. Of course it is. And she says, yeah, what the difference is, is that if you think that you could be here long term, you will, there's more of a internal effort potentially in ingraining yourself with Australian society. And, and for yourself, Darren, not sure whether you always thought you'd be there as long as you were, but definitely I'd say going to university over there, you know, knowing you'd be there for two years, knowing that this is, there was a, there was an end date, but it was not as, it's not, wasn't going to be like you were backpacking or things like that. You were, you were a part of society in the kind of more traditional way rather than some people who are just traveling to you know all these different things and yeah. I think that's really that's not an experience a lot of other Irish people might have unless they decide to get the, the permanent residency and things like that or if they can even at all at the moment and I think you know that all this all this information I can imagine you're gathering you know leads to, to where you you are now which we're not there just yet but there's so much information you have gathered to, to, to be able to support other people who are wanting to do the same thing but you know when it comes to that time and then working in kind of I'm sure potentially after graduating working in Australian schools and your your kind of understanding of that culture and ingraining yourself within society can you tell me a little bit about your experience within that because it's something I haven't really heard too much about just yet yeah I mean, Australian culture is a bit different. Like there's a lot of history that we don't really recognize before we go, such as the, you know, the indigenous Australians culture and it's the longest living culture on earth. Um, and no one really uh, knows about it when they travel or when they come here, which is a bit sad. Um, they're only experiencing the city parts where it can be a bit uh, tokenistic. Um, yeah, but like, you know, ingraining yourself after really the whole, mm -hmm. I guess, uni sort of experience, I got PR pretty straight away um, just because that's the that was my goal is to stay there for a little bit and see what happens. And did I ever think that I was going to stay there that long? Absolutely not. Did I think I was probably going to leave within the year after that? Probably. <clears throat> but uh, certain things just kept me there, really. Um and I could see opportunities coming my way that I would never get at home, mm -hmm. um, which is part of the reason why I was was still there up until, you know, this year, really. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it just kind of flowed on. And it it was very hard to gain trust and friendship with Australian, like when you call, say Australian, I'm technically, I am Australian, really, like I'm citizen, uh, but actual Australians that have lived there longer than just me, you know, like a couple of years, um, actually people who were born there or, you know, travel there. A lot of the people I seem to meet along the way were internationals. Um, you know, the Irish community, you know, it was great. Like they're very supportive, but I didn't want to come and do the exact same thing uh, as mm -hmm. most people do is go party, live at Bondi, and do the whole that Bondi experience because a lot of those people just leave really quickly. Mm. Um, and I find myself, I needed to, if I wanted to stay to get through uni or whatever, I needed to some stability. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and that was, that was very hard to find because um, Australian culture is different. Like the schools are different. The people are very different. Their humor is unreally different. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just not the same. And I think a lot of our, our people find it the same thing. They they find it very hard. And that's why they stay, stick in a community um, um, themselves, because it's very, it is very hard. Um, and to break into their friendship groups, it's like you have to travel 45 minutes to see someone. So you either really, they're either a really good friend or it's not worth it. 
you know so people make that decision pretty quickly like they find out where you live and they're like nah, you know too far so it was a bit of bitter pill to swallow at some points when you meet people that we just like clicked and vibe with mm -hmm. and then you find out that they live like 45 minutes from where you live <laughs> you know <laughs> and and I think it you know it's it's so interesting to, to hear that because I, you know I had um probably before this conversation an episode will go out with um an American who's come to live in Dublin and it's the first oh, wow. um perspective on seeing Dublin as other people as Irish people see Bondi and, and Sydney and, and through these kind of rose tinted glasses and it was really interesting to hear her perspective and one thing she mentioned on the other side of this whole thing was similar to what you've just mentioned is that it's it's very difficult for for Americans to to make friends with Irish people um and I think she, you know her, and her thoughts and I can imagine that the other side to flip the coin for Irish people to make friends with Australians for anyone to, to because this idea of well they're not going to be here for that long or or why invest and it, it comes and this is I think you know we're, we're all super friendly we're, we're you know people want to be friends with us we want that community but I think at the end of the day we also don't want to get hurt we want we want close friendships and I think there's always this idea that particularly her experience of Irish or of American coming to Ireland but maybe ours, ours in Australia is that, well, they're going to go anyway. They're going to be gone in a year or two. They're going to go home. And I think it's so interesting for us to even, for me to even, I'll speak on my own term, to hear this different perspective on, well, if you actually do want to stay, what does that look like? Who, where are you investing your time? Who's going to invest back in, into you? And I think that can lead to a lot of um, discomfort and, and loneliness when it comes to expat life and, Again, I speak to people on this podcast about that, but very often mm -hmm. it's short term because it's not they're not gone for very long or then they make friends or they if they're traveling, they move to a different place and meet a cousin of a friend or something like that. But for you, Darren, you you were looking into a kind of a, a longer stint of potential kind of feeling like an expat because you actually are but you actually are a resident and you have yeah. all that too it puts you in a really unique position I think to speak on how you figured that all out for yourself over the last couple of years well the thing is I didn't and I don't think there is any way to uh, correlate that all together because um, once people start leaving and I as I said to you I put my I guess I was naive I was young I kind of put my um I guess I put my purpose in other people like finding other friends to make me feel good um because I liked helping people I liked you know looking after people and making sure that they were doing okay and also seeing them and having a laugh and whatever um but I guess by the time it was like 20 2016 was probably the worst year um a lot of my friends had left by then, you know, they're all from around the world. Um, 2016 was, yeah, was, was, was shocking. It was really probably the worst. Um, not only, I, I did say this before on, on one of my own episodes that I, it probably was a bit of a mental health crisis at the time because not only was I experiencing loneliness, I was experiencing wild homesickness that I'd never felt before. So it was like, it felt like you were drowning it just was an overwhelming feeling of sadness um, a bit much like the mild depression that I experienced before but this was this is probably on a scale that I've never felt before like it it made me think that I should go home straight away like I was mm -hmm. it was just I you know 
you went from like smiling, laughing with people in the house to crying for 45 minutes to out running to try and run it off. Like my brain was all over the place. Like I was thinking that my dreams were real. Like that's how it was just, it was never, I'd, I'd never experienced that before. Um, mm-hmm. On top of that, I was dealing probably with um stuff that I had brought with me from childhood that once you're in that lonely space, you start to like experience all those like things about yourself. Like if you really hate yourself, it comes out like, you know, if you hit your body or whatever, like it comes out of your soul then, you know, like it kind of, it kind of just all comes at once, you know, and you start dealing with all this stuff. Um, You know, I basically like 2016 was, it was basically that, that was just the year it was up and down. Um, you know, and I, I reach out to people sometimes experiencing homesickness about how they want to go home. And like, I get it. I totally get it. Cause it was, it's not, you know, it homesickness for me stopped a, a few years after that, but, um, and I'll tell, tell you why later, but, um, the, basically that, well, that combination of things was really like, it can be deadly for people. Like it really can. And, um, it's unfortunate that people then think that there's no way out to go home or to, other things unfortunately and uh you know I was I suppose I was lucky in the fact that I went home for Christmas that year and something happened at Christmas that just changed my life and it was just it was something just being with friends and family and there's something specific personal that I'll keep to myself but it happened um on New Year's Day New Year's Eve sorry Mm -hmm. of uh 2016 Mm -hmm. and um that next year was probably the best year that I've had. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think all these things happen at the same time. And I think they bring out of you a resilience or a grit and you either go with it and you fix it or you start to unravel. And I was lucky that I just sought help. I went to get therapy and found out that basically like, you know, I was dealing with body dysmorphia um, you know, it's really because I really I hid it in the way I looked, and I didn't realize that it was that bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I was dealing with loneliness, you know, homesickness, um, you know, debating whether to go home, and then lack no friendships as well was like you know, as a social person, it's that's like triggering really. Um, so yeah, and then once I kind of went through the therapy for the next year or two, um, that just all kind of came out like, mm-hmm. and it was just. It was basically like I was living a different life again. Like it was like 2016 was like old and that all was past me. And I was like a new person. Um, And I was living in Australia for the first time free of all those things that weren't hanging around me. Um, Yeah. And I know that's a bit heavy, but, uh, you know, I like to just be open and honest and transparent about um life because it's never it's not all roses and not all brilliant at, at every point of your life. And a lot of people now are coming with their boyfriends or with their girlfriends or you know, with their partners and or husbands or wife or kids or whatever. And they experience these things together and they have someone or, you know, they break up and go back home or, you know, things happen. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I think it's just life and you have to really, you have to, you just have to either leave or stay. And, and I, at that point I, I chose to stay and fight through it and, uh, I again I felt that need that there's something more there's something greater coming and I knew that there was the the best like I know that sounds really corny but the best was yet to come <laughs> um 
in that part of my life. Yeah, no, no, thank you for that, because I think you're you're so right in saying that it's not always rosy, but also I think we can say that, but when we actually hear about the not so rosy parts, I think that's what makes the impact. So we can understand that it's okay not to be okay, but to hear someone describe a time when they weren't okay, I think that's where impact is when we actually hear shared experience. And again, in hindsight, we'll, you know, we'll look back and, and, you know, people will see your Instagram page will know you as a person at home or in Australia and they'll think he's got it all together he's all sorted out or he, he helps other people now but I think that there's always going to be that other side to some someone else I think that's what makes us human it just makes us kind of whole and there's that kind of balancing act of like yin and yang and all that different things but I think when we think about loneliness um and emigration particularly in Australia because of the distance and the, the time difference and everything like that it can sometimes feel a little bit shameful to say the word lonely. It can seem embarrassing, all these different. And now I'm saying this with like complete inverted commas in the air. It's yeah. like, you know, there's there's a negative connotation, but I think it's a really shared experience. And also it's, I think, you know, probably something that you'd recognize now is that you can be at home and still feel lonely. You can um, be in London and have body dysmorphia. It's, these These things are human experiences maybe not location specific, but they can be exacerbated by that because of that lack of social, su- maybe social support or um, consistency. But those things can change and be worked on. But the fact that we're going to bring ourselves, the good, the bad, the ugly, everything with us at all points in times, I think that is probably the, the, uh, the hardest pill to swallow, but maybe the one that I'm from these conversations I keep hearing. Hey, my name is Hannah and I am the host of Greener Fields. If you're enjoying this conversation, make sure to leave us a rating, share it with your friends and follow us on Instagram to keep up to date with all things Greener Fields. To be honest, I think that that was uh, amazingly put because, I mean, you don't have to be in any location for your baggage to catch up on you. And um, like, as I said, like I okay, yes, I wouldn't have experienced loneliness if I was at home. I wouldn't have experienced homesickness if I was at home, but I might have experienced regret Mm. or some other type of thing to set me off. Um, You know, and I actually I've got to add anxiety into the mix there, Um, you know. Literally, it was having panic attack, panic attacks at all, like things that were never common to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and these things happen. And I, I always say, like, you know, if there is something that you think that needs to be worked on, is get therapy. No matter who you are, if you're a male or you're a female, males obviously the stigmatism is there that they're okay. Um, but I have seen so many males reach out through the page and through um, things, just asking, do they know any, how do they make friends? Because they don't know how to do it. Um, uh, you know, and if you don't have that sort of, you know, network, especially when you go overseas, that things start to fall apart pretty quickly when you're not working and you've got too much time on your hands and you start thinking. And, um, you know, as we know, the devil makes idle uh, work for idle hands. So, um, you know, when you're not working or you're not you're not social uh that really takes a toll on your body and then all these other pro- like things that you never thought of would start to come out um 
But in the end, you know, I am very glad that it happened um, because I definitely wouldn't be where I am today. And I definitely wouldn't have worked on myself to the point where I was literally a new person the next year. Like I've never experienced to be someone who I'm happy to be, whereas before I really hated. Well, after therapy, I knew that I didn't didn't like myself. Um, Now I realize that actually, um, what does it matter about other people's opinions? Whereas, you know, it's it's all about me or my projections of what they think potentially could think of me were like you know that none of that really matters and um that was like life changing yeah and I, I can imagine or not that I can imagine I, I I see I can see it in myself but also it with clients that I work with um as a as a trainee therapist what I am taking what I learn most from from my study and things like that and this podcast is is, is a brilliant learning tool for me is that we're all thinking the same thing like we're we're all and we're and we're all, we're always thinking about ourselves and and we put too much emphasis on other people's thoughts thinking that they're coming our way but that's just how we like that is human nature we want to be liked we want to be included we want to feel part of something it's part of our makeup this idea that um you know it's important to be part of something and to feel part of the community because that's what kept us safe and alive back in the savannah days <laughs> definitely yeah and exactly what you said there like people's thoughts like we are we're actually projecting our thoughts from someone else's like we're thinking they're thinking that about us but it's actually us thinking about us you know it's so weird to think like that like I always thought like oh that person will think I'm super whatever and then realize like actually that's what I think of myself and I'm just making that up in my head like just because I want to feel insecure about it um yeah it's like you know yeah it is is what it is at this point you know and and I think you know when you mentioned that that you get in your page and and people reaching out guys and girls looking how to make friends where the community all these different things to me that makes me feel I don't know quite emotional but this idea that people are and I think we see it again and again and you can probably see it from from your perspective and looking at, at home and different things in Ireland all around the world that these kind of community groups, these hiking, the sunrise swims, the coffee things, they're becoming so big for a reason. It's because we we, we are lacking it. We are lacking connection because we have our phones in our hands and all these different things. And I just think it's, it's again, because I can only speak from my perspective. I always, you know, when I would speak to my friends about it, it would be quite usual, but to hear, and I, and I have guy friends who have said these things and we've said it on the podcast before, I think that male perspective, I think, I think it's, I think it's really difficult for you guys because of the shame associated and the kind of like manly man, et cetera, et cetera. It's not, you know, and I think to hear people say the fact, like say I'm lonely or I was lonely or I I was really homesick and all these different things. I think everyone feels that at some point um but I don't think we hear it or say it enough ourselves and it's really powerful that you, you would say that and obviously what you experienced over those years has played a big part in what you currently do in a, in a in some way shape or form and you are the average joe down under when it comes to your instagram to your podcast to everything like that so before we talk about what it is you actually do why did you set it up in the first place i'm really interested yeah um yeah so basically after all that sort of happened um I kind of took a few years to myself obviously to get to know myself and work on myself and obviously work a lot more (laughs) um oh got some job opportunities that came my way and then um probably after COVID I started thinking like maybe people want 
to hear like someone my perspective but obviously I still had that doubts where I was like too average and you know all those sort of things that were triggering back in 2016 to kind of put me off and then I thought do you know what like what Aggie and I really don't care what people say online so like why not just give it a go mm-hmm. and um hence the average Joe was kind of born out of that um but just before I suppose like um that 2017 was probably the best year professionally that happened to me because not only was I think I'm in a better place I was able to get a a new job which totally transformed my whole life um between then and 2021 21-ish um was probably my best earning period of my earning potential of my a whole career so far which again changed my life in many other ways financially etc and investment wise and I think then I decided well other people and other my friends had you know one of my friends had retired at 40 and was like telling people how he did it so that they could do it and I thought well why would I not do something to help other people and why am I sitting with 13 years worth of knowledge and not telling people about it um and that really sparked it um and then that kind of made me launch the whole sort of average Joe down under sort of, you know, Instagram, the blog, um, you know, kept it under the name of Darren Jonathan because I wanted to keep, keep myself a little bit of, um, you know, away from the limelight again a little bit. But um, I realized that that's not really possible when Belfast Live want to interview you. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, so that's how it really kind of started from that sort of feeling average, but not like wanting to be more than average kind of thing um and I'm well I know I am but you know what I mean (laughs) yeah yeah I I think you know and and I'm so glad you did because before we even get into what you share or the information that you have and and the the ebooks you created I think having 13 years experience of anything um and not sharing it particularly if it could help someone is I'm not going to say a crime that seems a bit too strong but a crime because particularly when it comes to uh, being an Irish person abroad or having a passion about something or so much lived experience um, and I think you know you can obviously tell from from your side of it with you know the engagement you get with people reaching out things like that that people are, are genuinely want to know how to do things and they also want to hear it not just from a robot or from online they want to hear it from someone uh, with a face to the name um, someone who's been there done that and I think that is something that, again, like every, every second person I always say, seems like they're leaving or moving to Australia. Um, and I don't even know if I was to ever do that, where would you even start? Because it just seems like such a monumental task because essentially it is. But you break that down for a lot of people and you do that in a couple of different ways. And I would just love to hear a little bit about how, I guess, when you decided that it was Firstly, it was going to start off as content online, but then it was going to be an ebook. Then it was going to be a podcast. And I guess, yeah, what were you trying to communicate out there to people? And what have you heard back from people that they want when it comes to Australia? Yeah, well, I think what had happened, what had sparked this whole thing in Australia was there's a lot of influencers, you know, posting about Australia mm-hmm. and um, a few people sort of getting well known um out there and I think they were portraying the side that it was all rosy and move to Australia get your working holiday visa and go Mm. and um 
it was probably during the rental crisis after COVID that people sort of, and I was like, but you're, you're showing all the great parts of being at the beach, but you're not actually showing that there's like 60 people lined up for our apartment. Like, and you know, like it was kind of like a bit more not real life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought, you know, like, and you know, instead of, I'm not the kind of person to cry into a camera and then be like, okay, like, you know, and then I moved to Australia, it's real, really, I'm all smiling. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought, well, I need to like be of both sides because Australia did change my life. You know, it, it, it made me being able to invest in property. It made me do all these things. And then, you know, I literally, I think I, I think to be honest, it saved my life in many ways because I was able to get therapy that I don't think I would have access to here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, so you know I think well why should I not start sharing the content there so then the website kind of just started with like just a few blogs um you know step-by-step process on how to move like obviously it's a very wide timeline because everybody's timeline is totally different you know um some people make the move and go in a couple of months and then other people take two years because they just can't because of their jobs their studies or whatnot so um I just try to give like, you know, there's a whole a number of blogs there, you know, uh, jobs, employment, how to get jobs and where to look and stuff. And then it kind of evolved into people saying like, you know, I want something physical to like read. Um, and so I was like, right, OK, so, well, I'll design an ebook. So I just put my 13 years worth of knowledge and what I know and what I've heard from people into an ebook. Mm-hmm. Um you know, right now there's a whole big change in Australia at the moment. There's a lot of number of new visa situations happening. So things are a bit up in the air. Um, you know, you can still get your organ holiday, but um things have kind of changed. Um and I think that's them pushing the migration in different ways, you know. Before it was come one come all. <laughs> um now it's sort of like, oh well, we want skilled workers more. So Mm-hmm. you know things are things are changing in that space um and so I think to be honest I will probably go for a little bit of a rebrand in the new year mm-hmm. um and go less on moving help you moving to Australia to maybe just um thriving in Australia mm-hmm. um that kind of aspect where I do more blogs about what to experience there and uh what things to do and what not to do and you know give everybody the tips and tricks that I know for 13 years were you know, some people, you know, people have reached out over this last year and it was started in February this year. And um, everything seems to be sort of like they want to know how to stay um, or how to thrive more, like how to get more money, how to do this, how to do that. And, you know, obviously we don't have all the answers <laughs> and they're not, you know, we're, I'm not I'm not a be end and on doll of answers, but I can usually tell you where to go or who to see or what Instagrams to follow. Um uh, but yeah, it's all about networking. At the end of the day, people are out there doing way better content than I am and they have the knowledge base. So why not use them and why not tell people where to go and follow them? So, you know, that's basically how it started and how it's going. <laughs> uh, um, there, there's a lot of similarities there between between what you do and kind of what Greener Fields has, has become as originally it was just a way for basically me to feel feel better about decisions in life um, and then it really turned into resources for people who you know wanted to go to x y or z or who thought about coming home and what I've done recently is categorize conversations and, and, and put it on highlights and I, and I found 
that people have come back to me and said that's really helpful so if they're looking to go to Australia this conversation will be in the Australian folder or I have friends or people on, on TikTok who have said can I uh, have you got any episodes on London and I would send on the London Live podcast or things like that yeah. I think there's something about hearing people's actual stories and experiences and also you know that's what your podcast does it's this kind of breaking down a post on social media to a person and actually the 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 real realness to it I think it's kind of it's more raw it's less perfect and I think that people we've all kind of copped the idea that online is not real that there's that what we're seeing about different parts and it's funny only one other girl said recently she said I never once saw online that it rains in Sydney but then she says mm-hmm. but it's currently raining in Sydney and I yeah. think it's a perfect description of you know, if we don't talk to people, and like you said, these resources, these con- this content is already there. And there is so many supports available to help you find different things that you might need or to thrive in Australia, like you said. And I guess, you know, for me, the big question is when people are reaching out to you, what is the kind of common threads and themes that you're seeing? Because I think it will be likely similar to, to what people are seeing in other countries that are emigrating to, but also in my head, it's what people are looking for when they come home or if they come home. I'm really interested. Yeah, well, obviously, like my experience has been very, I try to give my own experience on my stories. So like I, I tell them about like, you know, my super legal battle that I'm, so super is like a pension really. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually currently in a class action with my super fund, <laughs> um, which is a class action is like a lawsuit really. um, You know, and I basically tell them like, and be totally transparent these things are happening to me in my life you know like when I was studying I was eating one meal a day because I couldn't afford to I couldn't I was paying international fees I couldn't afford to eat um you know at at one point in 2014 I had uh forty thousand dollars worth of debt you know and then now I look what you know I've changed my whole life now you know so I try to be as real as possible um, but people are sort of asking along the lines of friendships, really. That's the big one and jobs. Um, that's the biggest sort of motivator. Um, people are looking to stay as well. Um, and, you know, like, to be honest, like I feel like I'm living another uh, phase in Australia. Like, well, I was living another phase in Australia this year because I had um, once I started doing this, I started really meeting people for the first time in two years because I kind of stopped meeting new people because I just couldn't keep up with the people leaving you know Mm -hmm. and it really became exhausting Mm -hmm. and so now that I've started this I've kind of met those people again and I actually see it through different eyes I see it as an exciting process to help someone or to even just be like you should listen to so-and-so or you should go and meet people here or you know like just I find it more exciting and helpful rather than like oh my gosh they're leaving like oh that's so annoying like I see it from like oh my gosh they're moving on with their life they're 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 achieving you know they're getting a promotion in some other state or they're you know they're moving to another state for farm work like good on them you know like whereas before I maybe would have been a bit more negative about it um you know so that's it's actually changed my my opinion and on it and really like forced me out of my comfort zone a little bit too and um I actually came across this group called Lost and Found in Sydney um who is run by Rachel Rush and um she like has uh you know put me in contact with a bunch of people who just like are just amazing and um it's really opened up my eyes to what is going on in like other states but also you know 
what life is like in Sydney because I obviously I live a life where I'm working I go home and that's it whereas I'm going to meet these people who are like you know backpacking or they're here for permanent or they've just got a job and they're just moved here so mm-hmm. it's been a very this year has been a very re-energizing should mm-hmm. I say year mm-hmm. compared to what it has been yeah yeah I think the last and found in Sydney is, is a page I follow as well and and yeah I think what what she does what Rachel does and she you know I definitely would love to get her on at, at in some point because I think she really encapsulates bringing those people together and I think you know I can see where it all fits it's all about this idea of, of how to help people thrive on these different things and then the actual practical element of bringing people together in a place and I think we're seeing the equivalent of lost and found in Sydney in in Dublin in Wicklow in in Belfast we're seeing those things pop up and I just think you know again it's it's just such an interesting thread in my mind I think potentially as a future psychotherapist more than think seeing these trends of what we we need what we want what we what we're lacking and it's just interesting that you know through all the page yes how to stay yes how to thrive yes how to make money but at the end of the day it's it's how how can I find a community how can I not be um alone all the time or how can I not feel lonely and that's just I think it's just such an interesting point and such a universal one as well again potentially not location specific but maybe exacerbated by a bit of distance and I guess you know you're now in in Belfast today and you know I think understanding your thoughts on Ireland today at the moment where you see yourself fitting if you ever do come back permanently all these questions that I'm sure your family are currently plaguing you with at home can you tell me where is your head at when it comes to um your 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 past home I'm sure it will always be your home but where is your head at yeah well I think I need to take you back I suppose to the um the time where I was sort of feeling that way in 2016 and I never really felt like Australia was ever home mm. um you know I think as an expat as well like you can think of us at home a temporary home like I still think of Sydney as home and I still think of here as home um and I call them both homes but uh over the years obviously I would have said oh, I want to go back I want to go back um you know I could never live in Sydney long term and then I stayed 13 years <laughs> so um you know, now I don't say that. I probably think that, you know, as an expat, we get to, I think expats are some of the most fascinating people because we just literally live two different lives and two different places. And, you know, as you said, you're greener fields, but greener grass, like, you know, you always think like I was moving for opportunities, money, etc. like changed my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, But, you know, and I wouldn't have been able to do that without Australia. Um. But now I've come to the realization that, you know, expats get the best of both worlds. We can live in two homes and not feel mm-hmm. um, a sense of regret if we don't want to. It We only accept what we accept. Mm-hmm. And I have come to the point where I could stay here for a year. I could stay here for a month and I wouldn't feel homesick mm-hmm. about Australia. And I, when I'm in Australia, I don't feel homesick about here. And that's only because I worked on myself. Because mm-hmm. now I know that home is not a location. Mm-hmm. It's me wherever I am and where my family's at. Mm-hmm. And my family is in both. So I can live in both and feel happy about it. Um, You know, does that mean that I could stay in Australia forever? I don't know. Um, I still have plans to move back here at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, right now I'm testing it out, really. That's really a test out phase where I've just been working actually in a school and seeing how it goes and seeing what things are like, because, you know, it's been 
13, 14 years since I've worked here as well. So um, it's very different. Uh, you know, I'm back in my parents' house living under their rules and uh, it's been a bit confronting, <laughs> should we say. Um, you know, obviously I don't want to move out and get a place to rent if it doesn't work out. So um, yeah, but right now I'm, I'm at peace with being in both places and not feeling bad about it either. Yeah, I guess I I mean is that not probably the ultimate goal for for anyone who who emigrates or who thinks about emigrating or who's going for more than just long-term travel is this idea that you can have multiple homes and that it's not a necessary location with four walls but it might be the people or it's who you are when you're there and I think that is such a beautiful way to answer that question because you know, yes, you could you could have answered that and said, well, the housing prices and the job opportunities and the weather and all these different things. But it's actually not about any of that. Or I guess maybe they're all small parts to play in it. But the reality is it's about who you are in those places, how you take them in. And I guess that comes from what you learn and throughout those, particularly the last 13 years. And, and like a lot of people have said, it's that maybe for some, it's not the best thing in the world or that maybe... Um, wish they hadn't done it or wish they left sooner different things like that but I think the kind of overwhelming feeling is that no matter what you are you are who you are today because of the different places you've gone or traveled to or people you've met and all these different things and therapy and all these different things (laughs) Amen. amen I think all these different things that you you know you it's just so interesting to hear that and I think you know when it comes to to this conversation um which I just feel like this just has been absolutely brilliant. There's there's been so many things that I would take consider advice. Um, advice for people who have thought about traveling to Australia, those who want to move there, those who are considering coming home, those who have who have dealt or are dealing with difficult mental health periods of their life. If you could give one bit of advice to someone who's listening today, what would it be? Other than get therapy. <laughs> um yeah, I'm a very big advocate for therapy, by the way, because it literally, again, as I said, it really helped me accept things about myself that I didn't really know that existed. But um, if I was going to give someone a piece of advice just in general, I think it would be to make sure you have a plan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of people come without a plan. And then when that nothing really works out for them, um, they either give up or they um, stay when they're not meant to stay and when I say not meant to stay is sometimes just life you're not meant to be here and you're meant to be somewhere else I always believe things happen for a reason and whatever's meant to be will happen so you know like if like if you come here and it doesn't work out and you don't like it and you feel a failure and go back home like you shouldn't because you give it a go you did it and it wasn't meant to happen at that right that time and it may happen again it may not but you know don't be hard on yourself because, you know, I, I believe things happen for a reason. And um, I think it shapes you into who you are. And, you know, no matter how much money you have, no matter how many friends you have, at the end of the day, you go home to yourself. And if you're not okay with yourself, then, you know, that's when things become problems. So I think be you and just let things come your way. <laughs> I think that is is such a beautiful bit of advice and I think it's it's um it's something that people can can take take what it take from it what they want and 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 share it in either aspect of their lives whether it's emigration whether it's 
coming home and again you mentioned something that I, I could have a full separate podcast about which is actually a good idea living with your parents and as an adult um and I think this idea of you know trying to figure out these different things and and, and seeing different opportunities um or different aspects of your life maybe not as fully permanent but also as something that yeah I guess the fact that it won't last forever and maybe it's transient maybe it's friendship as well it's this idea that the fact that I won't last forever maybe there's something in that maybe we can hold on to that particularly when it's more difficult or maybe it's recognizing when things it's time to to jump leave ship it's time to go home and you don't yeah and you don't you don't have to have it all together and that's what I always say is you never have to have it all together like I was such a like I have to have it I'm, I have to be perfect I have to do this and when I realized that you don't have to like and if it doesn't work out there's no shame in like leaving there's no shame in going to another country or there's no shame in like going back home like you give it a go and if it wasn't for you it wasn't for you you know and that's that's it yeah yeah in a nutshell and for yourself Darren for all your hopes in the future and everything like that to come how where where what are you excited for what can we help support you with what can I share alongside this conversation to help promote you and what you're doing with Average Joe Down Under um yeah what are you looking forward to I'm just looking forward I think to 2024 for renewed energy um Mm -hmm. because I felt like um low like the like I'm very much uh I, I like to see results instantly mm-hmm. um, because I feel like I put a lot of work and effort in things. Um, but obviously that's not the case, but I just love for the blog to really take off and people really to love it. Um, you know, a lot of work and effort goes into that, but, you know, at the end of the day, I, I have to have the renewed energy to keep it going. And I'm really excited just to get that energy back to really put more articles out there Um to really just even help people thrive because at the end of the day, we all know that the world is crazy and just something to even help us get through is, is going to help be helpful to anybody. So, you know, if there's something that helps you there, I, I hope it does. And let me, let us know. <laughs> yeah. And can you please plug your blog, plug your Instagram, where can we follow you? Where can we support you and check out what you're doing? Yeah, so you can follow me on uh, Instagram on Average Joe Down Under. Um, you can find me on DarrenJonathan.com or you can just Google Average Joe Down Under and it's the first one that usually comes up. Um, and again, Average Joe Down Under for the podcast. Um, you can find us find me there. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I have I've listened to a couple of episodes and we've had a couple of, of your guests on our podcast as well. So I would highly recommend if you're and I'll make sure to share it alongside this podcast. If you're if you're thinking about going to Australia, want to hear from people who are on the other side, literally, please check it out and listen Darren that conversation has been everything I wanted it to be and more it has been such a pleasure getting to know you to hear your story um, your reality of those experiences and everything else in between because I think it's going to help people at home in Ireland above and abroad in Australia and everyone else in between because I think like I said this conversation is about travel immigration and all that good stuff but it's about people fundamentally and yeah I'm so grateful so thank you so much no thank you so much I really appreciate you having me today so thank you and I wish you all the best as well fingers crossed for a big 24 for both of us thank you so much thank you so much for listening to yet another episode of Greener Fields to get involved follow us on Instagram at Greener Fields and let us know who you'd like us to talk to next thank you so much again and I'll chat to you really soon